Hello, time travelers. Oh my goodness, if you hear a slight upward lilt in our voice, it's because one of the one of those precious few episodes have come by. An episode where America went to see a movie that we were going to see anyway. Yay! <laughs> Thanks, America. That's right. Jordan Peele is one of the few people who can say to Americans, hey, Here's a complicated, troubling discussion about race, and a couple years later, America will go, give us more. <laughs> we liked that. <laughs> that is very true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I feel like we have so much to unpack. Well, fortunately, there's uh, uh, four of us here. There's us and our doubles. Oh, oh, that's what... The scissors and suits are about. Yep, here comes our opening credits, so get your weirdo son to snap on beat. We're talking about us! Yay! Toot toot for real! <laughs> travelers hello hello veronica hello john how are you doing i'm doing pretty good mm -hmm. i came here to uh record this episode you were watching infinity war which you'd never seen yeah i i guess you know it's time to catch up i bet america will choose to see that when that opens <laughs> so i might as well getting prepped for endgame <laughs> yeah i mean now now i know why Theranos did the thing that he did, which I already had spoiled for me many months we ago. We were also talking about the Alex Gibney documentary, The Inventor, which is why Veronica just called Thanos Theranos. Oh, did I really? Yes. Oh, God. Yes, that's true. We were talking about Theranos, uh, and that's why. But yeah, very similar names. Very similar. Theories, why? I think uh, I think uh, when Jack Kirby uh, created Thanos. Jack was... Kirby? Jack Kirby? Is it Jack is he oh, not? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, Marvel historians, please call in and correct this. Stan Lee, please, please yeah. send us a, <laughs> a, um, a message from above. <laughs> well, fortunately, Stan Lee has recorded cameos for our next five episodes already before he passed, so we'll get to listen to that later. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, boy, what a lot of what a lot of non-essential uh, banter. Yeah, what a lot of like movie salad that we just produce for our listeners well i mean fortunately uh the movie we're talking about today is is you know there's really nothing to talk about there's no. not a lot of ideas in it not no. a lot to really go over so we can kind of bullshit all we want exactly yeah just like not a lot of meat i did not want to talk about this movie at all for hours or read about <laughs> it no no um, yeah, you know, so, uh, so our, our... That was sarcasm, dear listener, <laughs> before John proceeds. <laughs> uh, so our, our devoted listeners will know that uh, in the past couple uh, episodes, we have shifted our format a bit to do more, uh, to do, well, one movie per episode, but also do more of a plot synopsis. True. But uh, here we are, only two episodes into that, and I want to do the plot synopsis pretty quickly, because unlike most movies that hit number one at the box office, there's a lot to talk about. That is very true. And I feel like 
Yeah, you kind of want to get the synopsis. I think we would address things as we go along with the synopsis, but I think like the stuff to discuss is definitely like once you know everything, yeah. once all is laid out. There's so much I want to talk. I mean, that's you know, uh, 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 not to to spoil our uh, my my final thoughts, but I have I overall enjoyed discussing this movie afterwards a little bit more than I enjoyed watching the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can get to all of that. First, what happened in Us? All right. Well, it all starts on a lonely boardwalk in Santa Cruz, California. <laughs> the year is 1986, the year I was born. Fun fact. I'm still in my mom's belly. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I was for the most part of and that year. And we do year. pan over. <laughs> we, we pan over to New Jersey. We a watch my mother getting an ultrasound. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so uh, on said boardwalk, on said summer 1986 night, um, uh, a family, a mother, a father, a little girl are hanging around the boardwalk. Daddy wins a thriller T-shirt for his girl, which is not at all inappropriate in the year 1986. (laughs) Uh, And I guess we can, can... Should we... I guess this is the first question as to how we want to address this in the plot synopsis because uh-huh. I have something to say about that, but that is sort of uh, that spoily. that is that has to do with the twist. Yes, I say let's let's just let's uh, bulldoze through the plot okay. and then we can discuss Fair. everything. Fair. Um, like I I won't even go on uh, on a on a tangent right now for twenty minutes about how much better the cultural signifiers in this one scene were than in all the '90s stuff in Captain Marvel oh, last week. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, I I neglected to mention that the movie actually starts on a TV screen oh, showing yes. a commercial for Hands Across America, the sort of the very well-intentioned way that America chose to cure poverty once and for all in 1986 by having people hold hands across America. You know, it's it's funny because so, um, yes, we open with literally a commercial for Hands Across America. And if you're ever watching a movie and we open with a, a commercial or something like that, um, obviously that's going to have a lot to do with the plot going forward or the themes of the movie. But then I like and I'm watching this. I'm like, well, this will come back. I just straight up forgot it instantly. (laughs) Oh, another thing that we forgot that even before the commercial, there's a cryptic title card that says that they that that there are many tunnels across America. Some the purpose of some of which is unclear. So so far we've ruined every part of this plot. Yeah, we have not done well. Okay, so I, I, do I will over. say that Jordan Peele does have an affinity for like old timey footage because I feel like that was another thing in Get Out that he used to a good effect mm. of like a vintage TV showing. Yeah, weird, like reels. Some I guess I, I just remember Stephen Root on that TV. Oh, I mean. Once Root is on TV, everything else goes to shit. Anyway, uh, after uh, getting her Thriller shirt, uh, the girl wanders off as her dad is playing whack-a-mole. Not that well. 
and wanders down into the sand where there's an additional attraction. It's a hall of mirrors. It has a racist theme that I do not recall at the moment, but I think it uh, involves Native Sh American. It's called Shaman's Quest, and uh, it has a, a Native American. I mean, it's it's not like grotesquely racist, but yeah, it's like. But it's like racist in a way that it would have been. Yes, that it would have been in 1986. Exactly, and. Uh, the dulcet voice of Jordan Peele guides the actual like thing. I think I looked it up, and that is like his voice in the exhibit. Oh, I didn't kind of remember Which is hearing the nice. voice. Um, and so she wanders through. She's lonely. She's the only one there. It is made to feel a lot spookier than it actually is because it's, it's a, a hashtag horror movie. Yeah, there's a weird owl coming out. That's like the only, it's that and then a bunch of mirrors. Yeah, to the point where I was like, is this supposed to be scary? Maybe it's more of like a plaintive experience. Mm. Like, That's why I thought because it said you can uh, uh, get in touch with yourself. Anyway, it's a hall of mirrors. I feel like we're spending too much time yes. on the she hall of mirrors. Lost. She gets lost. Uh, she tries to run away. She hears the sound. She tries to run away. And... As she's sort of lost, she doesn't know it's a hall of mirrors. She doesn't know which exit sign is the real exit sign. She has her back towards the mirror, and she, we think that we see her reflection, but alas, it is another girl. And then we cut, smash cut away. We don't know what happens. <laughs> and the girl uh, is turns out that she is an adult now. She has a family. As, an, as you do. Yeah. yeah. She, she grows up. Time has passed. Uh, and uh, this... We, we should, her name is uh, Adelaide or Addie. Yes. Adelaide. Played by Lupita. Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, Who is very good. Oh, she's great. Uh, and she is reuniting with her a Black Panther co-star and apparently Yale classmate, Winston Duke. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. fun. Did they know each other? Yeah, they were in the same class. Oh, that's At fun. least according to IMDb, uh, which yeah, I he, choose to trust. Um, uh, he played uh, uh, Mbato in Black Panther, and now he plays Gabe, her husband. He is adorable. <laughs> I really liked Gabe. Uh, and so uh, they have two children. Their names are... I'm looking... Zora? Or Zora? Zora and Jason. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Zora is sort of like an athlete. She runs really well, though she does not want to do track. Her son uh, and her brother Jason is sort of an introvert kid who likes this one wonky magic trick thing uh, <laughs> that he carries around that really looks like a lighter. And it's just, I don't know... Did you figure out what, what the magic trick was? Um, uh, no, and sorry. I was just looking up to make sure I got Winston Duke's Black Panther character right. It's M'Baku and not M'Batu. Is it not So if I mispronounced Jack Kirby earlier, boy, the Marvel fans are really fucking freaking out. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, it was supposed to be a... Because he gets it right once. It's supposed to be like a little... It's supposed is to be it like, supposed to be a spark? Is yeah. that the idea? Okay. Like it's you're a magician and you go, oh, and sparks come out of your but hands. But still, where did the lighter fluid come from? <laughs> <That's> right, yeah. <laughs> okay, So he's it. really jobing it up in the backseat <laughs> of that car. Oh, man. Side note, I guess, the new Arrested Development season made me so it. sad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they are off to a summer home in idyllic Northern California. Uh, there... Uh, 
Uh, sorry. The Greg... summer home, previously the home of Addie's mother, I think. Can we yeah. put a pin on that? I want to talk about that later. Yes. The, it is not entirely clear how they came into the possession of the house. I thought that it was like their summer home, but there certainly are things from her family is that are there. Is it possible that it's her grandparents' home? I don't know. This is, I do, it's a nice home. Yeah. And that will be important for later because I want to talk about that. Right, yes, yes. We are definitely going to talk about it. So mm-hmm. they're in this fine home, Origin TBD, <laughs> and... Uh, and Greg suggests, oh, first of all, Greg gets a boat. That Gabe. No, or, oh, Gabe, sorry. Right? Gabe? I think Gabe. It is Gabe, sorry. Not Greg. Oh, and should I say, uh, we've seen a few flashes, by the way, of the, um, uh, uh, without seeing what happened in the Hall of Mirrors, we see a few flashes of the uh, consequences where apparently whatever happened was so horrifying that when her Addie's parents found her, she did not speak for months. That is true. Uh, yeah, sorry, dear listener. I might fuck and up. Then she was to- and then, again, because this is important, <laughs> she was told to become... Um, her parents uh, had her start to dance so that she would become... Uh, learn to communicate. Yes, yeah, so the shrink suggests doing drawing, dancing, anything that would elicit a response and make the child communicate again. Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure, since I did not actually take notes during the movie, because that would be very rude. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly when the interruptions, the flashbacks uh, yeah, happened. Yeah, I think sometime for, during like, the road trip, I think. Yeah, I think there was one. And or it, no, it's when they go to the house and she's looking through her parents' stuff. So as she finds, looks yeah. through her parents' stuff, she sees herself at a bar and I think then it like flashes back. A, a bar dancing. Bar like B A R R E. Yes. Yes. Uh, and okay. So uh, Gabe, the great husband, uh, <laughs> she, uh, he gets a boat. No one is excited about the boat, but Gabe likes it. It is also kind of wonky with the ignition. Yeah, not a, not a great boat. What what what? Do you remember what the name of his boat was? His na- the name of his there's boat was not. There's some great boat names in this movie. There's a great, but I don't think his was a good boat name. It, the I, other one. It was one. something. I mean, it was some kind of funny. Oh no, it was something like with daddy and it. it was like, daddy's wasn't it boat? like daddy's boat or something? I, I don't know. I, I remember the other it. one because that yeah, was Yeah, the other really one funny. is great. But, um, uh, but yes. So, and then Gabe suggests, hey, let's go to the ocean today. Let's meet up with our friends. Uh, and where, dear listener, do you think that they're going to go? If you guessed a beach that's not in Santa Cruz, California, you have, I guess, not watched movies or did not realize why I asked that question. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, you didn't uh, give them the clue that Addie freaked the fuck out when Gabe suggested going to the beach. I was about to say that. <laughs> she does that because it's the same beach where she had her walkabout all those years ago and so they go to the beach we are introduced to the tylers the tylers are obnoxious the tylers have twins that are very reminiscent of the grady twins at times from the shining (laughs) uh uh elizabeth moss plays kitty and kitty is sort of an insecure self-absorbed vain woman and uh, her husband is Josh, and he's 
kind of a douche. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and their twins are horrible. Yeah. As mentioned earlier, um, Jason wanders off at one point to go to the bathroom. And he sees a weird man striking a weird pose with his arms akimbo and blood coming out of his do we, hand. Do we see the face of the weird man at this point? Because we have, um, at this point, we have that when they're driving to the beach, they drive by an ambulance uh, with the dead body. A man has just died, and it's a man, uh, a man who Addie saw on the beach as a child holding a. Um, uh, Jeremiah eleven eleven. Yeah, passage. biblical, biblical. Keep what, notice. What call signs? Yeah, a lot of, of the, 11s. A lot of 11 and 11s. There's a bunch of uh, black flag shirts <laughs> that we were wondering about. And the then, band Black Flag. Yeah, and then I, the logo obviously is 11-11. The t-shirt uh, thriller, the, the thriller t-shirt that Addy got at the beginning was the was prize number 11. There are That's many, true. many more 11s. That's a thing. Yeah, I'll try to mention them as we go because there are going <laughs> to be a few... Uh, and so he sees this man. We think that something is going to happen, but it's just a scare. It's all okay. Uh, Adelaide uh, uh, runs around. She finds Jason and Gabe sees that she is freaked out. So they go home as they relax. They, uh, I believe the clock strikes 11-11. It does, yeah. And, uh, and so... As they relax in their home, and the, the clock strikes eleven eleven, who shall appear in their driveway? <laughs> but a family straight out of the same decal that they have on the back of their van, holding hands and looking exactly fucking like them. But, oh shit! But it's that scene from the trailer. <laughs> but of course, wearing red jumpsuits. And uh, having gold scissors. Oh, and one glove. Yeah. Which is another Michael Jackson thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose. Uh, and uh, they are attacked by the family, uh, kept hostage. Uh, I don't know how much... What do we want to say about the family? Well, the family comes in and they all act... They look identical to them... But they all act uh, uh, kind of um, uh, primitive. They, they act like they act like like beastly a little bit. Ex- they act like uh, Vince D'Onofrio's character in uh, Men in Black yeah. after it got eaten by all those ants. I forget Wait, how a he, bug is wearing his. A skin. bug is wearing it. Yes. So it's an, they it's sort of. Skinner. It was reminiscent of that Edgar. for me. Um, but yeah, and they, they don't talk except for uh, guttural grunts, except for Red, who is the double of uh, Addy. Yes. And uh, first of all, when they're asked who they are, they say, we are Americans, which <laughs> is another uh, pin on that social commentary quilt. Uh, yeah, in case you haven't figured it out, this is a metaphor. <laughs> and so... She says that we are exactly like you, but we grew up, we live in this underworld where instead of having food, we ate cold rabbit and we had to play with sharp things and we didn't get the things that you got. And, but we felt tethered to you. So we had to live your life, but a sadder, sadder way. And now it's time for us to get untethered 
introduce scissors and uh which basically means that they want to kill their doppelgangers Mm -hmm. their tethered selves and assume their lives yep so now we get into you know uh, i guess we could be yada 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 home invasion stuff yes um uh uh uh, addy is handcuffed to a table the rest of the family each has an adventure trying to escape their tethered um gabe successfully kills his yeah so it's interesting to mention that the tethers have sort of similar or like perverted version attributes of their like i guess real like up like i you know real selves so the gabe doppelganger is also shitty at operating a boat (laughs) uh jason's doppelganger is also just like snapping Mm -hmm. and it loves fire, which is what that like the trinket does. The bottom half of his face is horribly scarred from yes. a burn. Which I read that somewhere, and it's kind of cool. Uh, but I will, I will, res- let, let, I will talk about it later. later. <laughs> uh, as Zora's doppelganger is also a very fast runner, mm-hmm. so they all sort of have perverse versions of each other's attributes. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, anyway, the Wilsons. Uh, run away and they end up getting to the Tylers. Meanwhile, at the Tylers' home, uh, there's a lot of passive aggressive bickering <laughs> and just general meanness towards one another. Uh, but as there's another boom, and all of a sudden we find out that Tylers also have their own doppelgangers. And so. I think this was probably one of my fun, like favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, the Tyler Doppelgangers were really good. We because we're there, it's so hard to talk about what uh, what we liked and didn't like about this movie without talking about the twists. And I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. We're spoiling everything, but yeah. I guess we're saving all that talk for the end. But like, yeah, this to me, this sequence uh, was the most effective kind of horror sequence basically the tylers are dispatched incredibly quickly (laughs) they are and also again in a way that sort of like i like presents like their worst selves as like the way that they get dispatched or like the attributes i mean well so tim heidegger's just stabbed in the neck real fast well tim but but then like his doppelganger does that like oh like this like the sort of like the fake out handshake thing (laughs) he is he's still a dick as he's yeah he's he's, like very much a dick uh then he's a he's a, a little bit of a douche yeah, and then Dahlia, which is the doppelganger for Elizabeth Moss's character, has already a scar on her face mm-hmm. that's sort of reminiscent of the surgery scars that she got because she referenced that she got plastic surgery. Yes, but she, she has no scars. Kitty has no scars. Her her plastic surgery is imperceptible. Yes. Whereas, uh, what is her name? Dahlia? Dahlia is the um, doppelganger. We really only know these. The Tethered's names, we really only know from the credits. I'm looking on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they're only on the credits. I don't think we find out. I think we know tracks. Evil Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, um, evil. Evil Elizabeth Moss ha- has a scar on her face um, where uh, good Elizabeth Moss 
quote unquote good, uh, was able to get good uh, plastic surgery. Right. And she attempts to carve her face again. I thought, I think afterwards when we, John and I saw this movie together. Mm -hmm. And so we got the opportunity to talk about it at a bar for a bit. And you, I think, asked the question of who has the funnest or like best yes. doppelganger. Who, which, which uh, actual actor in the movie does has the most fun or does the best version of playing their evil half. Yeah, and I, I think like even before you finished your question, I was like, Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss <laughs> has a great shot where she goes from screaming to all silently, her evil version scream laughs yeah. back and forth from screaming and laughing all without making a sound. And it's very fun. Um, Tim Heidecker's is just kind of a goon. Yeah. Uh, the twins. I'm curious. Are both of those twins uh, like stunt girls or? Oh, here's here's a fun fact about the twins. The twins are played by the same twins who played Emma on the show Friends. Well, who was that? Ross's. Yeah, Ross's and Rachel's daughter in like the last uh, two seasons. That's Emma. Look at Emma is now. a bitch. Look at him now wearing black flag t-shirts. Um getting stabbed. Uh yeah, I I mean, um uh Lupita has to do a shit ton of exposition with a raspy voice. Uh, by the way, yeah, Red talks but talks as if her larynx has been crushed, so she wheeze talks very slowly. Um Apparently, Lupita was trying to imitate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because apparently he had, like, a similar condition or something like that. Interesting. I kind of skimmed through that part, so I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, but... Um, yeah, I, I think uh, it's... I think it's... They got the most to... Uh, it's a tie between uh, Lupita and, and, and Elizabeth. I think Elizabeth definitely has the highest highs, but she's also this is the last we're gonna see of her in the movie. Where oh yeah, it's she's like, gone. Yeah, Lupita has a lot more to do, and she is great at the it. Wilsons show <laughs> up. The Wilsons show up and uh, pretty quickly murder the fuck out of the uh, doppelganger um, uh, Tyler's. Yes, and uh, it's uh, an opportunity to single out another fun yacht name or the first one <laughs> since we didn't know the first one, but it's yacht. Bitch. No, it's Biatch. Biatch. Is Tim Heidecker's uh, character's yes. boat. But yeah, Which is lovely. Um, and this is one point, and, and I'll put a pin on this in this conversation. The Wilsons murder all the Tyler, well, kill all the Tylers, and really just very suddenly transition into kind of like action movie characters. They're like throwing off quips while killing people. That's true. <laughs> they go from terrified to quipping about who has the highest kill count very quickly. Arguably part of the message of the movie, um, but one of the reasons why the, this midsection um, didn't uh, kind of threw me and didn't work for me as much mm. as I wanted it to. Well, let, let us pin a... They go from being like, <laughs> Put a pin in it, they go, yeah, they go from being like characters in like a, a scary horror to characters in a fun horror. Like they they switch off from being like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and being in like uh, Scream. And they mm. keep going back and forth in a way that I found a little distracting. Well, I feel like within their dynamic, they were kind of witty with each other even before. So I feel like I bought that. And even in the initial home invasion, yeah. I think like the way Gabe handles himself is sort of similar. Oh, like the whole it gets thing really with like frightening, hide certainly. a key and stuff, like all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I think that works. But that's before. I think at a certain point when um, when 
like, how old would you say Zora is? 15, 16? Oh, I thought 12. Oh, really? Okay, so, like, <laughs> she's, like... But I might be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, how old is she? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, she, but she's young. And yeah. she has beaten a... Does she? Oh, no, she doesn't kill herself. She has beaten a demon oh, I guess version... she wants to drive, so I guess it, she might be, like, 14 or something like that. Yeah, I assume she's getting ready for her... Uh, practicing for a driver's test but like she has beaten to death a like monster that looks identical to a girl she knows with a golf club shortly after being attacked by a monster that looks like herself and she's just like throwing around wacky jokes about (laughs) about like like there's a part later where they see all the tethered together um and uh gabe says what are they doing some kind of fucking like performance art yeah and zora rolls her eyes like she's like the teen daughter in a commercial and dad can't use the washing machine right like (laughs) that's that kind of stuff um felt a little weird but i i can't decide if it's on purpose to make our sympathies kind of I let's think let's was... get let's let's get to the end of the movie yeah. and yeah. But I think it could also be as simple as Jordan Peele is a funny guy who wanted to make a fun horror movie. He so like he didn't want it to be like dry and humorless. So it might just be because yeah. But the, he uh, felt like the need for jokes. The comedy the comedy is is so much better. Um, I know I'm fine. I love fun horror movies. This one, I feel like, goes back... It's just the going back and forth that feels mm. a little weird. Interesting. Um, but okay. yeah, I mean... But yes, let's let's keep yes. going. Okay, so the Wilsons are unwinding. Is this the point in the movie where they watch a, a like part of a baseball game where the score is 11-11? Another 11-11 thing? Or oh, it I might have been is, at home. No, this is when they watch the, oh, the Exposition Dome news report. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah, I thought they did that, but I thought at first it was like a baseball game and like... It switched over, but like, I, I can't recall. Possibly, but anyway. So uh, this is the Basil exposition portion of the movie. <laughs> they are explained that there are doppelgangers everywhere, which we kind of already knew, uh, and uh, they are killing people left and right. But they are also forming a line where they are holding hands <laughs> like an art <laughs> like a modern art exhibit or like something previously mentioned in the movie Ooh, did we mention that the, the beginning there was like a tv with a commercial uh anyway so the the wilsons choose to flee to mexico uh and so they hop in a car a few more scares they are uh, haunted again by some of their own doppelgangers, but they are able to flee. Mm-hmm. And uh, they drive and drive and drive, and they somehow still end up in Santa Cruz, California. Yeah. Well, they, they also, they kill uh, Tether Zora. Oh, that's right. They, in, yeah. In, she runs her down. Yeah, I assume in somewhat of an empowering character building exercise, Zora kills her own doppelganger 
And really, it's what, at some point in our adolescence, we all have to run over someone wearing our face. I mean, they asked me at the DMV when I was applying for a license. <laughs> How many doppelgangers of yourself did oh, you, you run you over? You had to do age? multiple? I only did one. I, I mean, they asked me for a number, and I felt very intimidated. I assumed you just needed a one, so I lied. I said two. You lied? Oh, yeah, shit. my, my driver's license is We should, edit, we should edit this out of the podcast. Oh, yeah, the state of Washington is going to be angry. Uh, anyway... Um, <laughs> And so they end up in Santa Cruz, California. Santa Cruz is scattered with dead bodies, is semi on fire, (laughs) (laughs) and it's daytime. Uh, And uh, so they approach a car on fire. Jason, like, very smartly points out that it is a trap. And so uh, we see Jason's doppelganger stand in front of a fire. The family quickly realizes that out of the fire leads a trail of gasoline that's going to blow up their car. So they scatter, but Jason perishes in the fire. Or Jason's doppelganger perishes in the yeah, fire. Yeah, Jason, um, through because of the interaction that he had with his tethered earlier, recognizes that they imitate your movements. Mm-hmm. They seem to be. They seem to have to imitate your movements sometimes, sometimes, but not always. Yeah. yeah. So um, Jason lifts his arms and backs up, and the tethered Jason uh, imitates oh, that. That's right. Yeah. And Jason backs up, leading the tethered to back up into the fire where he burns to death. And as he does that, we notice that seamlessly blending into a burgundy SUV <laughs> is. Red, she grabs Jason and flees. Where does she go? She's going down, down to Mother Boy. No, she doesn't. She goes to the. <laughs> that was another Arrested Development reference. <laughs> I feel like we have so many for no reason. Uh, and so she uh, she scurries away with Jason in tow, down, down, down. The into the Hall of Mirrors. Into the Hall of Mirrors. That I is still there, but has now been renamed to the more culturally sensitive Merlin's Quest. Yeah, because wizards wanted to find themselves too. Yeah, and wizards are not a, uh, a protective, uh, protected ethnicity that we Yet. know of. Yes. All you Hogwarts fans. <laughs> uh, and so, like any good mother would, Adelaide runs after Red. And down, 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 <laughs> the multiple escalators, oh, the stairs, followed by stairs, followed by escalators, she goes. And the deeper she goes, the more white rabbits she encounters. Yes, it is an Alice in Wonderland reference. And she ends up in some sort of a long hallway. Could we say tunnel? Could we be referencing the Chiron in the beginning of the movie? Uh, it is a very sort of medical institution looking hallway, just very sterile and barren and yeah, white. Yeah, with like classrooms and little lockers. But it is now empty, but it's clear that many people have been there. Yes. And so she finally has to confront Red on her own turf. <laughs> Or is it? Because Red starts to explain her history, because that is the part of the movie where the villain 
gives us all the motivations for their stuff. And so Red explains that she lived in this world without hope or dreams or anything to do but to imitate poorly the lives of those who live upstairs and who are their tethers. Yeah, when we say imitate poorly, so... Um, we see a lot of shots that flash back to that 1986 right. where um, the uh, doppelganger Adelaide, after her interaction in, in the Hall of Mirrors, returns down to the tunnels and we see that we see all the scenes we saw from the above ground and we see that that tethered versions of all those characters of the carnival have to like bizarrely imitate what's yes. happening above like uh above there are a bunch of people in a roller coaster while downstairs there's just a bunch of people in like a closet <laughs> screaming <laughs> screaming madly and pretending they're on a roller coaster or my favorite uh girl coquettishly trying to feed her <laughs> boyfriend is actually a woman shoving a rabbit in their lovers <laughs> or like her like uh doppelganger boyfriend's face uh so yeah so they basically do that with their lives uh i mean i definitely had a lot of question marks about that part uh and um and so she lived in this world until one day she was let by her tether up the escalator up the stairs up more stairs fewer rabbits and out into the same hall of mirrors where young Adelaide was there on that fateful night. And as she uh, saw her, she finally saw what she could have achieved up there if she was not tethered. Up she realizes, yeah, what the above ground is like. Yeah. And, and so she starts to dance. And suddenly she's the only one capable of what seems more or less independent movement. And she sort of becomes a messiah to the underground people. If this seems like it's like kind of, we're kind of explaining it confusingly. Uh, this is all explained uh, through raspy, halting exposition, which is like, um, the deathers saw that I was different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they saw what they could be. Right. That was very good. Thank good you. Thank you. Uh, and so... I'm a tethered. Oh, no. <laughs> You're a tethered American? <laughs> I'm a tethered American. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so she explains how she became the messiah for those who are tethered underground. And she devised this whole untethering plot to let them finally for once for a change to be the ones upstairs enjoying their lives and killing all the ones but she they couldn't just kill everyone they had to make a message so they've been plotting all these years yes. for this day i mean i'm gonna i think we're gonna again go back to this too but i had issues with well, let's, why don't we part. just we're so close yeah let's yeah, just speed along so, close, so we can guys. we're yeah. so close uh and I'm sure if you've seen the movie, you're like, oh, God. Anyway, so, and a, a lot of fighting ensues as Red fights with Adeline. Mm -hmm. Adelaide, right? And uh, it it is interesting to note that it seems like the deeper down Adelaide goes, the more 
her physicality begins to imitate the like the underground people yeah i mean some of that has to do with the fact that she is injured but some of it is clearly like yeah Annie's like a in this fight which uh uh is like a it's like a dance fight and and red uses all kind of pirouettes around Addie as she tries to attack her mm-hmm. to find her son but as they fight and eventually Addie is able to defeat red and kills her and then grunts gutturally and and animalistically the way the tethers all do right and in but it could be that she's just injured but uh spoilers for three minutes later it's not (laughs) (laughs) and as uh red uh is being choked and uh murdered she whispers uh, or she like kind of a whisper whistles uh itsy bitsy spider which uh adelaide as a young girl whistles as she uh, hangs out in the Santa Cruz uh, amusement park, which would be very relevant to what we are about to reveal in a second. <laughs> so uh, we think happy ending. Uh, Jason is reunited with his mother. He saw the whole thing from inside a locker in the same drab dorm where the tethers lived and where Red died. Uh, they're reunited with their family, and as they ride home in ambulance number 1111, <laughs> uh, they, uh, Jason looks at his mother, and his mother has another one of her signature flashbacks, where we finally see what happened at that Hall of Mirrors all those years ago, which is that the little scary girl in the mirror reaches out to Adelaide, she chokes her out and drags her down to her... Bruising her larynx. Bruising her larynx and drags her down into the underworld, into the tethered world, leaves her uh, handcuffed there, wearing her Hands Across America shirt, stripping away her thriller shirt that she dons herself as she climbs back up and assumes her life. So the woman that we've been following all this time, dear listener, is actually the underground girl, the tether girl. She is the one who's trying to protect her status as opposed uh, as opposed to young Adelaide. Yeah, Adelaide. Adelaide was uh, yeah. Adelaide was one down downstairs trying. She's been trapped down below all these years after being swapped with, and is now trying to get her uh, get her revenge. Yes. All right. The end. The end. Yes. Oh, and then we get like a menacing shot, I believe, of hands across America. Oh yes. Of uh, people in red uh, jumpsuits. We pan up, revealing. Uh, a line of tethered people that goes all the way across a mountain range. Yay. Okay. I, I can see and sense, John, that you are eager to discuss. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. So uh, uh, let's, um, before we get into, again, this is, uh, it, it, it's just kind of hard to talk about, like, anything about the movie without just kind of saying that like that twist right um so let's start uh you want to do let's do a little letter grade first all right yeah let's do it uh all right we know three two one three two one b B. plus continue to be one away (laughs) um 
Yeah, so I I thought uh, um, I loved discussing this movie afterwards. Um, uh, so I think it's a, it's very hard, you know, not to compare uh, Jordan Peele's uh, sophomore directing effort to the massive hit that was his first. Mm-hmm. Um, and Get Out is a movie that I thought, you know, has it's very specific and uh, clear and interesting with its message. Um, but also works like Gangbusters as just an entertaining moment-to-moment um, horror film about this man in this terrible situation. Um, this one has really interesting messaging, but the just horror movie of it didn't work as much for me. I felt like actually now describing the plot of the movie, it did feel like we... It almost felt like there was no middle of the movie. It, yeah. It felt like there was setup and there was sort of slight heightening of the setup in the sense of like the Tyler thing. Mm-hmm. And then there was climax. Well, I have a question about that. I have a few questions for you that I don't really have answers to. Um, is it is the fact is it possible that I was enjoying this movie less in the middle. Now, Get Out is very clear about what it is a metaphor with. It is very blunt right up at the top. Mm-hmm. You know what it is, so you're not questioning yourself. This movie, I spent a ton of the time in the middle being like, all right, where's this going? What, what is this about? <laughs> so I wonder if that hurt. But I do also think the middle home invasion section just isn't as you know, entertaining as it could be or thrilling as it could be, frightening as it could be. Although I I, I heard a lot of people say they thought it was very frightening. I think it's possible that Jordan Peele's uh, getting such a big audience now. There are a lot of people who don't watch a lot of horror movies. Going, right. I, 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 I mean, I, I thought it was it was the creepy, but not, you know, it, it was fine. Um, uh, is is the fact is it possible that that middle section isn't as kind of exciting as it could be because he didn't want the the tether to be truly unsympathetic. And well, yeah. does that have to do... And then that brings us to the other question. I think we can just... We should just start with this. What is this movie about? And if you're uh, one of the idiots on the internet um, writing <laughs> articles about what this movie's about... It's clearly about a government cloning brainwashing program. <laughs> of course, we agree with you right now. Please that's, subscribe. That's what the movie's about. <laughs> the end. Um, uh, but no, well, what, what do you think this movie's about? We talked about this for a long time after on Sunday. Yes, uh, I, in my opinion, uh, it seems like it is very much about sort of income inequality or class warfare. Let's 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 start broadly and like kind of move move yes. narrow in. So I think we both agree that uh, that the above ground, below ground is is a depiction of uh, a, a class uh, yes. American so, class structures. Yes. Yeah, so it's definitely yes. Yeah, so it is definitely the idea of the upper class has all the things that we see the Tylers and the Wilsons have, and the. Uh, lower class, the poor people have pale imitations of the what those people have. They the- are literally people exactly like the people above. However, for no apparent reason, no explained reason, they have to live lives that are shallow mimicries, uh, shallow, it just in, like 
just bullshit impressions of the real lives and that so, the other yeah. people and, and so Red, uh, or rather Adelaide, the, the character that is upstairs for all the movie, uh, represents this sort of climber that has reached, has moved up from the lower class to the upper class and is sort of like struggling to keep what's hers what she thinks it's hers is that, so i haven't read a lot is that is that um so that's where i kind of landed on sunday is that what the is that I, the, in I, general the are people thinking i've only read a few things only i feel like only some of them have mentioned mm-hmm. uh social climbing in that context well, this is but it or yeah yeah, to me, um, and this is why I think it becomes more interesting after the fact, it's, uh, in addition to being broadly the story about the cruelty and evils of our, you know, uh, cl- class structures in this country, um, it's, you know, the movie's literally called U.S., if you want to look at it a different way. Yes, I mean, um, the movie is about someone, about, like, Hands Across America, which was a f- like semi, I'm not really sure what the verdict is about it, but it is definitely something that was supposed to cure poverty. And it was and widely clearly... considered to be a, yeah. a mass failure and I think a scam in many ways. So that was the part that I was unclear of, so I didn't want to I... say it, but I'm not entirely sure. But it seems to, at the very least, have been a misguided thing yeah. that didn't really help alleviate poverty in any way. Read the Wikipedia about Hands Across America. We clearly did not. No, um, uh, but, but yeah, it seemed like that message was clear. It was to me at least, but it was not as clear as it was in Get Out. I feel like there were no mistakes in Get right, well, Out. Well, uh, but mistake. Well, yeah, I, I not this mistakes. Is more, mistakes in terms of like you could not have misinterpreted it. Yeah, as this, any other this thing. one isn't as um, uh, blunt. But right. like, but yeah, no, I so I saw it. You know, in the aftermath, and specifically because of the dancing section, I saw this as. The story of um, the guilt and horror that comes from being someone who has ascended from a lower social class, someone who has the guilt of knowing that people who you were, people exactly like you are still suffering from a structure you're now uh, you're now um, benefiting. benefiting from. Yeah. And then the terror that this real you, quote unquote, will come drag you back down. Yeah. If we want to look at the movie as being from the perspective of Adelaide. Yeah, it's like Gatsby's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then and that, that I, I land on that because of, you know, they have all this stuff during the big fight scene. They keep cutting back to shots of her dancing as a little girl, which seems to be. And we also get the focus on athletic skills with the daughter seems to be, you know, pointing out the way, um, uh, uh, you know, athletic or artistic abilities are one of the only ways that act that still exists for anyone in America to really ascend from the lowest levels. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, you know, there, then there's also a lot of weird questions, but then, then comes the whole thing. So we were talking about this on Sunday and that's, I think we were all saying, okay, that feels to be a good reading of the movie. So why does her grandmother have this beautiful beach house? Yeah, that, that is bugs the thing. Me so much. That is a thing that bothered you and no one else in our friend group beside. But I want you to. What? Well, because he. I want you to verbalize your concern. Well, yeah. So I mean, not to get fucking room two thirty seven on this, but it's, <laughs> I think it's very clear that uh, Jordan Peele puts a lot of thought 
into all sorts of little messaging things they went up. Oh, I the thing that actually made me think about the artist. Uh, earlier in the movie... Oh, okay, yes. So, to me, if this is a story about um, someone ascending... Well, I guess now it does... It That's fine if... Because really, it's the original Adelaide's parents were rich, not this one. So, I guess that's not really a problem. Yeah. I don't know. It was just... It just Did seemed... you convince yourself? <laughs> well, the thing that was weird to me was that in the prologue, the uh, Adelaide's mother says to her father, hey, there's a movie filming over there. Why don't you go see if they need any extras? Um, and uh, apparently that that week in real life, in 86, yeah. they were shooting The Lost Boys there, and that was on pur- a purposeful reference to, from Jordan Peele. Who... I, I don't know exactly why, although that is the line of thought that got me to the idea of, you know, artistic arising uh, for a social class. Because I was curious, that line about why don't you go, you know, you're having a fun day at the beach. Hey, hon, go see if they have any ex- work, extra work. That seems to imply that the family has money problems. And in a movie that's all about money and capitalism, it seems weird to see that idea and then be like, oh, yeah, no, nah, actually, the family was doing fine. Yeah, I always felt that they were kind of a middle class family. And so while so I was thinking Lost Boys when I was watching Mm -hmm. this, but I did not know that they were referencing the movie. But then I read a bunch of stuff online that was saying that. Um, But to me, it just felt like a fun thing to do. I used to like sneak out to uh, be movie extra and (laughs) like a bunch of like New York movies. I'm an extra in Spider-Man 3. Oh, fun times! I was wearing what a, scene? Uh, the scene where Gwen Stacy is giving uh, like a press conference in City Hall. Uh, is that after she's been saved? I have or? never I actually sh- seen one, the movie. And I haven't seen it since <laughs> the theaters. So I don't know. But yeah, I'm in there. I'm wearing a Superman shirt because that's what I was wearing at the time before I like snuck in to sit. That's funny. In the garden. Uh, there's like a the park in front of uh, uh-huh. City Hall. So that's where. Uh, anyway, unrelated. So I, <laughs> from my experience. No, I think that's pretty uh, in- integral to our conversation. <laughs> no. So from my pers- uh, perspective, like being an extra in a movie is like, a fun thing uh so i didn't interpret it as um yeah there's just something about the way she said it and then mm. but although maybe it's supposed to more seed the idea that that he's an actor I, I i don't the way she said it i mean to be fair she's also angry at him for being drunk at this moment mm-hmm. so but like we've all we've been set up so far in these like 30 seconds that we've seen this couple is that he's a little drunk She's annoyed with him. He seems a little distant with his kid. And then she, we get this line. You um, thought he was distant? I didn't. Well, he's distant distant. later. Yeah. Um, he, you know, um, did, did is it implied? What did you think about when he leaves to go get uh, in the therapy scene, the flashback? Yeah, I think he's just guilty. I think mm-hmm. he just feels guilty. That's what I got. Um, anyway, well. So, so our read of the movie, I guess, is fairly similar. Yes. Um, there are things that I can't let that 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 are a little confusing to me with that reading. Uh, um, yeah, I guess. Well, I think broadly, I think it's very. I don't think either of us has any question that this is about income inequality. Yeah, I think yeah, it's definitely class warfare. The movie. Um, I. So here's another question for you. Uh, did you find the like 
the whole like exposition, I guess, like uh, towards the end where Red explains her origin sufficient or necessary or like how did you feel about that so this is um yeah online i guess this is one of the major criticisms people have about the movie which is that there's an info dump at the end it's a bunch of exposition Mm -hmm. also there are a bunch of people complaining about nitty-gritty plot things i so first off I don't fucking give a shit where they got the jumpsuits. A lot yeah. of people online are like, how'd they get all the rabbits? How'd they get all the jumpsuits? And yes, if the you... rabbits are clearly from the favorite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a big year for rabbits. Um, it's the year. Is it the year of the rabbit? I don't know. Oh, I'm going to look it up. Um, if this is the if this is a movie of if this is a movie that's literally about a government mind control cloning program, then yes, it kind of matters where the jumpsuits came from, maybe. But it's not. It, that's not what this movie's about. Yeah. This movie, like, Jordan Peele might, might as well walk walk on front front and center and speak to camera in his doing his Rod Serling Twilight Zone thing <laughs> and just say, hey, everybody, this is a fucking metaphor. Enjoy. Well, yeah, so that's why I actually... I didn't... But, by yeah. the way, this is the year of the pig. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I, yeah, I, my problem with the dump is that I didn't really. Wait, isn't 86 the year of the rabbit? No, that's the year of the tiger. Oh, uh, so 87 the year of the rabbit. I know, because I was born in 86, so I know mm. my I, Chinese zodiac. I, I knew it was one or the other. I don't remember which one's mine, but I remember <laughs> half the kids in my grade, when we learned about that, half the kids in my grade were You're the Rabbit, and half of them were You're the Tiger. Oh, there you go. And I was, yeah, The Year of the Tiger, a different song by Survivor. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but my problem with it was that, like, I don't know how much of it was necessary. I feel like it's one of those... I guess, lost paradoxes, I would call them, where, like, the more you explained about the island, the sillier it was. I mean, the show lost that mm. ended, like, 10 years ago. Not a, a, a paradox <laughs> that was lost to time. Oh, I guess, like, only nine <laughs> years ago. Oh, boy. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, we were saying on... Uh, uh, this is what happens when we see a movie together. <laughs> we have half of our podcast conversation off the podcast. But um, we were saying the other... It's, it's either... It kind of either explains too much or too little... Yeah, and I feel like with this, they should have... I I mean, the idea of, yes, there are people living in those tunnels who have... I don't know. It's just like it bring. I feel like the way that it was explained in the movie and I feel like I'm dumb for not being able to pinpoint a better way of doing it, but I felt like it raised so many questions that are not necessarily important, but because that thing was introduced mm. kind of like forces me to think about like does everyone have a doppelganger is this like a santa cruz thing these people were on a vacation there why were there doppelgangers there do they travel with them like where do they like all these yeah. things that is like oh, do only americans have it is that why she wanted to run away to mexico because she knew that there are no doppelgangers there like all those things that, to be honest, have no freaking bearing on the movie mm-hmm. uh, and are not necessary. But it's just I, like now that I think of it, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I want to like, I don't have answers for these questions, but I want to know. I want to. Tr- the thing I find interesting is why 
does the metaphoric elements of this feel more distracting to the enjoyment of the movie than something like Get Out? Like there are all these. So there's a line that Red says where she says something like, um, uh, like she's like we're like I forgot the exact line, but she's like this tunnels are you know, cruel to us humans, but it was made by other humans. Mm. And see, something like it was made by other humans. And, you know, tons of people who are like, oh, it's a movie about the government, you know, are like, yeah, yeah, look, that's the fucking shade. The shadow humans are the government, man. MAGA, MAGA. <laughs> um, oh, God, oh, if you God, want yes. fun, <laughs> read uh, John Nolte's uh, Breitbart review of this movie about how it is a anti-socialist message. Oh, God, that, I, I, I mean, I sent this already, but that article somehow manages to be both, like, racist and condescending to the reader at the same time it's I, a weird feat i would argue that that art that review is trolling uh <laughs> if you haven't seen it yeah breitbart.com has a review of this movie all about how it is the best anti-socialist movie of the year and it's all about yeah blah 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 um uh, and it's definitely not about race definitely not about race um it, but it's uh uh i think that article's trolling just get hits but uh i do believe many of the breitbart commentariat are too fucking stupid to realize i was to be honest surprised that breitbart had a film reviewer oh this man is, big hollywood used to be a whole section of the site this is yeah this is like uh i mean i guess i don't Another reminder that uh, in another life, I, I worked in news media. Yeah, so do you want to, are there any fun anecdotes you would like to share from your time being antagonized by uh, Breitbart Media or its subsidiaries? By Andrew Breitbart himself? Yeah, go for it. This has nothing to do with our conversation of us. But people would want to hear it. Um. Uh. So the moment, like I, I saw I was running for a news website uh, shortly out of college, Um. Uh, the moment when I knew that I wanted nothing to do with the news media, that it was, for the most part, broken, <laughs> was when um, uh, Andrew Breitbart, uh, the founder of Breitbart, uh, started... Rest in not peace? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he dies at the end of the story. Uh, <laughs> uh, started tweeting angrily at me that I was a commie, blah, 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 commie bullshit. And I was like, why is he attacking me? And my coworkers are like, oh, no, this is good. This is how it works. You you then attack him. It's, it's mutually beneficial. You're building your brand. And I was like, God. oh, it's all professional wrestling. <laughs> it's all bullshit. Only the crazy idiots that are his fan, you know, fans think it's fucking real. So, yeah, let's play this game until one of his readers takes a gun and shoots a bunch of people. <laughs> um, and I wrote a I wrote a, like a post being like, yeah, I don't want to do this is all bullshit and I don't want to do it. And then he stopped tweeting at me. And then a month later, he died. Aww. Unrelated. Unrelated. <laughs> but was it? Did Man. you give him AIDS, John? Is he the one who died from AIDS? No. What did he die from? Jesus. What did he die from? I think he died of a heart attack. Oh. I don't know. Like, <laughs> is dying of AIDS worse than dying of a heart attack? I feel like all of them are well, pretty I bad. Well, I think I can't give him a heart attack, but technically a person could give him AIDS. That's so it true. So it just seemed like oh, a, no. seemed like a harsher... No, John, that's not what I meant. I did not mean you had AIDS. Oh, no, this is terrible. Okay. I threw hypodermic needles at oh, him. Oh, God. Okay, um, no, this is not where I meant to so go So this is our, our us conversation. <laughs> 
sorry. Um, um, where do we go with that? Oh, so I guess, yeah, a bad reading of this movie is that it's oh, antisocial. Well, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different reasons. But, but so I, at, at, dur- so during Get Out, you know, again, we're, you know, but the other movies of its kind. Um, how, so like, okay, so in the history of socially aware uh, horror movies, and Jordan Peele's a huge fan of, you know, socially aware horror movies, um, look up any of the, I feel like he's made a few great, like, lists so, for different websites of lists of great horror movies, um, uh, uh, particularly those with, with strong messaging. And, um, uh, to all the Americans who went out to see the new Jordan Peele movie but did not realize that horror movies frequently have uh, <laughs> strong messaging behind them, uh, horror movies are good. Go see genre cin- cinema. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another... Can you think of another movie where you found the metaphor got in the... Like, trying to suss out the meaning behind the movie got in the way of your enjoyment of the moment-to-moment action? Mm. Oh, fuck. I had something. And my question, is that why I didn't... Is that why I didn't enjoy this movie as much as I wanted to? And again, I did enjoy it. But this is... You know, it's following a, you know, a movie that many people would call a masterpiece. So I, I, like... um, we give these letter ratings which are bullshit like i think i gave captain marvel b b minus did you i thought you gave it a c i don't know this is a million (laughs) times better than captain marvel while i was a little disappointed by this movie this is a million times better than most of the movies we've watched on this podcast um but but i still kept being distracted and is it oh here's the thing that was for me the lego movie too where I was trying mm. to suss oh, out, okay. like, the, yeah. what oh, is it example. trying to say? Yeah, for me, that was actually a movie discussed on this podcast. Yeah. Please download this episode. So, uh, and, yeah. and were you, did you, while watching that movie, have a hard time enjoying yes. the moment-to-moment jokes? Because you were just sitting there going, okay, well, what is this trying to say about, yeah, uh, you know, masculinity, about siblings? Well, yeah, I was thinking the whole time of, like, what does this represent in the metaphor for like growing up and like having siblings in real life? Like mm-hmm. I kept like trying to the detriment of the movie. Like yeah. I feel like there are certain set pieces I didn't enjoy straight up because I was like, if we are thinking about this as a metaphor for the stuff that goes up between the humans, I do not like this. Do you think that's because in that movie, because I'm still trying to figure out how, I, you know, uh, how why I felt the way I did about this movie in Lego Movie Two? Did you were you distracted because you didn't find the moment to moment action beyond the central metaphor to be entertaining enough to hold mm. your interest, or is it because the central metaphor was in some way delivered in uh, in a faulty fashion? I think it's probably the latter. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it's just I don't know you we do disagree about the Lego movie and its use of, like, the human frame story. Like, yeah. uh, So I think because I never was on board with that part, I was basically kind of, like, prone to questioning everything and I, more. And I th- I think it's possible that... See, that's a movie where uh, both, you know, particularly the first one, uh, less so the second one, but I still enjoyed it a lot. 
I enjoy it can enjoy those characters and the jokes enough that I'm not worried about I'm not really thinking about them before I'm like I'll figure it out you know as they impart me like oh that's another piece to that puzzle um this one I think I just wanted uh the premise of people being hunted by um terrifying figures that have their face um that's such a fun you know doppelgangers have mm-hmm. been around you know in different fashion but like doing it with the family and then broadening out to be like a larger scale thing. I think that's such a fun premise that I was just a little disappointed by the individual set pieces. Like I thought Gabe, the the couple of Gabes on the boat was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Zora just running around wasn't as, you know, it, it wasn't that scary. Uh, I guess the part where she was hiding under the car was fun. Yeah. Um, but then also it's like, when they get to the Tylers and it really was like they're just whipping out jokes. And then later there's a bunch of things where like the plotting gets a little hazy because we're now clearly like the plot doesn't matter as much as the message. So like there's parts where like um, after Addie saves quote unquote saves Jason down below, they just somehow find Gabe at Zora who we've seen just were hiding in an ambulance somewhere. So it's like, how'd they find it? And then also it's like, it bothered me that, you know, there's murders going on. And yet these parents who at the beginning of the movie were freaking out when Jason walked five feet away at the beach mm-hmm. are now like super chill with the kids just wandering away at any time. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. So like stuff like that, when the, the characters stopped acting, consistently because i don't need them it, like if they're gonna be like jokeathon i'm fine with that throughout i think while they were jokes at the beginning they felt at the beginning i thought they felt like a remarkably relatable realistic family unit mm-hmm. uh they're incredibly endearing like um to me the gold standard uh, uh like movie family is like uh you know like the poltergeist family uh like horror family and that's like i felt you know i felt the the wilsons in this were as appealing as I don't yeah know their fucking name in poltergeist but god i love that movie but <laughs> the uh, geisties the, yeah the geisties yeah it's paul t geist <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i think yeah i'm not really i feel like you kind of i feel like you are feeling what I was feeling during the Lego movie too. Whereas like, I am feeling what you were feeling. Whereas like, it didn't really matter to me as much. I also, I think this is very much a personal thing, but I find scissors very scary just (laughs) as a thing. I've heard multiple people who love this movie say the same thing. Yeah. So I think like that element was good. Um, I definitely, as I mentioned earlier, I do now come to think of it, think that like it lacked some like meat, like menacing meat in the middle. Like there were really just like two, let's say sort of, set pieces or like sets of scenes that were of that variety there was like the initial home invasion and the tyler home invasion Mm. and aside from that there was just like the final showdown and i i don't know unless you can remind me of something else that didn't seem to be a lot more scary stuff yeah i mean get out has so many incredibly memorable scenes yeah. Um, yeah, I, def- I, this definitely doesn't hit the highs of Get Out for sure. Yeah. So we, I, I mean, we keep comparing it to Jordan Peele's last movie. Are these, is that 
fair. I mean, you know, it's never really fair, but uh, I, my, I was talking to my friend Dave last night. He compla- compared this to, it's very much the, you know, sophomore album. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's the, you know, someone's had the, the huge first hit album uh, that they worked on for years and thought about for years, and then they get brave enough to do one with way more ideas, but <laughs> they have less time to kind of, Right. To streamline them, so it's a it's yeah maybe more interesting but less. I effective. think yeah, I think like actually like the idea of like like this movie has a lot of interesting stuff in it, um, and I think like yeah, it's definitely not as like cogent and clear cut mm. as a Get Out, um, and I think that's why I and like he is such a meticulous director. There's so many like different sort of motifs both with like color and like body language and like everything so like this is a very well-made movie and well thought out still but it's just like not as like i don't know uh like flash in a pan as get out was i guess uh and i feel like i would now and i said this earlier off pod like i would be very excited for him to not do a horror movie and just because like Key and Peele did so many genre sketches so well mm-hmm. where I feel like that sort of like was that strength of that show and I feel like it's definitely evident that that was a lot of like Jordan Peele's input uh, and I'm sure I mean not to discount the entire writing staff, but it definitely seems like something he is very good at. He's like very much a student of film. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> it's funny. I I I know a couple of people who are on that staff, but I actually I don't know how the writing broke down. Yeah, I don't. But it definitely seems like that is something they themselves as performers were very much interested in. Mm-hmm. Like this is a sketch show kind of about Hollywood. A oh, lot. I love there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know. Uh, so Key and Peele came when at a point when so much sketch comedy for a while had been was was fucking copying um, uh, a star Tim Heidecker was mm-hmm. copying the Tim and Eric uh, video editing purposefully looking kind of uh, shitty uncan like <laughs> uh, shitty in an uncanny way. But um, made by a bunch of people who aren't Tim and Eric. And so couldn't do that in a way that transcend, like uses that to transcend. Um, And so seeing Key and Peele in these beautifully done genre parodies, I remember was a real uh, breath of fresh air. So, yeah. So I think like because of that, he definitely has a lot to say. And I agree with you that like the horror genre does lend itself to a lot Mm -hmm. of metaphor. Um, but I would be very curious, like, what does his, like, horror, what does his action movie look like? What is, I mean, I guess, like, we had Keanu. Keanu. <laughs> uh, but, like, I don't know. I feel like he has a lot. I just, I feel like because every horror movie now that he would do would be compared to Get Out, like, mm. that's a very high bar. Yeah, and I wonder what I would be interested in seeing because I, I honestly, I'm, I'll, as a fan of the horror genre, I, I want him to keep making movies there. Right. Um, he is like, I'm not as big a fan as you are, but I'm always excited. Of him or of horror. Of horror. Yeah. Uh, I, I like well done horror movies mm-hmm. and I like sort of funny horror movies. I love Scream so much uh, mm-hmm. and even Scream 3. 
Uh, and uh, so I would. What about Scream Four? It's okay. How about Scream Two? <laughs> I, I, I think it goes one, three, two, four for How me. about Scream the Series on MTV? Oh, I never saw it. Me neither. It doesn't not matter. Move on. Uh, and so I I feel like like a filmmaker like him making horror movies, of course, I would go see every one of them. But right. I just I just want to see what else he can do because he can do so much. He's like such a talented dude. You know what I'd be very worried about? Um and, you know, he's a, <laughs> clearly an incredibly smart guy. He doesn't need our fucking advice. But... Um, yeah, I hope he's listening for some kind of Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll, he's, he's got a notepad out right now. Um, <laughs> to be fair... Uh, 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 to be fair... I once got um, uh, very n- not not sober and trying to think of what a what a socially conscious horror movie about uh, class warfare would be, and the the best I had again not sober <laughs> the best I had <laughs> was I wanted to do a purge type uh, home invasion thing where it was a bunch of wealthy people and it was just clearly like uh, a um, a bunch of like poor people uh, like class warfare and are gonna kill everyone who has multiple like has a, more than a certain amount. And mm-hmm. we follow this, like, you know, heiress type, blah, blah. She escapes and she hides in a bomb shelter for, like, three months and comes up and all the rich people are dead. And the end of the movie, she comes up, the world is just a better place. And then the movie just basically says, kill rich people on the screen. <laughs> oh, boy. So. Uh, John, is that screenplay still available? Are there so, any agents listening? <laughs> again. Again, this was a thought experiment while uh, while not so. This is not something I actually wrote. But to be clear, when we give... Uh, career advisor Jordan Peele that's coming from uh that was my version of us clearly much worse than this one so but I I would be afraid that um with that being said I would be afraid that um he's going to fall into uh, a kind of M. Night uh Shyamalan uh 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 trap Mm. where um he became where he became so famous for the twist Mm. that he a seems to feel like he has to have in every movie and b people aren't watching the movies for themselves they're just watching it for the twist um yeah while i believe that you know horror and and john john Rassenman is a great way to get across like analyze social issues if uh jordan peele feels the need to swing for the fences with the biggest social issues of our time in every horror movie he does, I think that's really going to have diminishing returns. Right, Especially, sure. like, if this movie, you know, is it's kind of, it's hard, you keep getting distracted with the metaphor. Imagine when he's in, you know, when he's doing his opioid epidemic movie five years from now, and it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so I would kind of, like, part of me, you say you'd, you'd love to see a non-horror movie from him. Yeah. I even even if this feels like kind of a waste because he's so good at it. Part of me is like just to shake it up. I'd love to see a pure, uh, just a genre, just like a genre exercise, just a fun story. Just because we know he can be scary. Yeah. Part of me thinks the scares in this one got diluted because of the need to serve the message. Mm-hmm. Whereas Get Out was such a perfect melding of. And a an exciting story and a perfect um, uh, way to sh- to get at the that mm-hmm. message. Yeah, I I mean I think that's a valid criticism for sure. I have a question for you. Now that we cool. know what the twist is, mm. 
does like does it change because i feel like people are like awed by the twist and i think the twist is cool but i don't know that like the twist really this is not i guess to bring back Shyamalan. this is not like for me at least it wasn't like a sixth sense level twist that it made you reevaluate the whole movie because like knowing that they were uh switched I mean, I guess it sort of does frame that whole, like, you know, uh, social climber aspect. And, like, it adds to the metaphor that for there's the social commentary. That there's literally nothing different about them. But I, I don't know, like, because from the perspective of just, like, a viewer rooting for a character, I still would root for Adelaide or, like, fake Adelaide because this is the character I knew most of the time and this is the character with like with whom our legions were yeah. so i don't know that it matters like like why i don't know that it's entirely freaky that she like they are trying to make it seem that it's kind of freaky that she's heading back with that family but i don't know like that is her family those are her children that is her husband like i don't yeah. know what is like well that. i don't know how we're because like i don't think i think the movie wants us to feel conflicted about um about the tether because these like no matter, like, getting stabbed with some scissors is pretty, is a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty <laughs> shitty way to go. Um, but I'll take, you know, 45 years of uh, 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 living a cool life uh, before a bad night uh, <laughs> over spending my entire existence living in a dour uh, sewer tunnel, uh, eating rabbits and mimicking combing my hair. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think we're supposed to... Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's a thing. It's So, it, you know, in some movies, it's like, okay, this is what works on the literal level. This is how you're supposed to feel on the literal level. This is how you're supposed to feel on the metaphoric level. And this one, it's like, the literal level, there's so much of it, but also it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess... Where, which yeah. is why I find, like, looking back at it as the story of this woman who escaped this hell and now has spent her entire life terrified that they're going to come try to bring her back. And now it's finally happening. Uh, and then also, you know, I, I find that to be a much more interesting story. It's almost like um, a very different movie, but uh, art school confidential, a movie that, um, that has a twist at the end where it's like, Oh, I would have rather have watched that movie. That movie has a twist. I never saw it. I'm surprised by that. Are you okay with me spoiling it? Sure. Um, there it's so Art School Confidential. Uh, you can't probably get. I don't know if you can tell from the marketing. Is that a uh, Daniel Claus? It's based on a Daniel Claus book. He okay. co-wrote the screenplay with the director Terry Zweigoff. I believe they co-wrote the screenplay. Oh nice. Um, it's their was their collaboration after Ghost World. Uh, but yeah, basically, um, there's a serial killer in this town where the art school is. Um, and, uh, the main character of the movie ends up getting framed. People think he's the killer. The real killer ends up dying. He gets arrested and suddenly his art becomes famous because everyone thinks he's a killer. But like the kind of the twist, uh, that happens is that, um, there's like this really like kind of like jockey, like handsome out, like alpha dude in the art school that he fucking hates because he's like, because everyone loves him. And he makes these really simplistic drawings that the main character thinks are bullshit, but everyone fawns over them, partially because this dude's like 
just a more normal guy than everyone at the art school. And in the end, the twist is revealed that he is an undercover detective looking for the killer. However, he got so distracted by people telling him that his shitty art was good that he kind of fucked up the investigation. <laughs> and I would have much rather seen a movie about a detective who goes undercover and then gets narcissistically, um, you know, maybe I'm just talking about miscongeniality, <laughs> a darker R-rated miscongeniality. But you know what? I'd fucking watch it. No, that that does sound like a better movie. It also makes me want to see Art School Confidential, <laughs> I gotta say. Um, so, John... Uh, why do you think America liked us? I, uh, well, liked or went to see? Went to see, I guess. Yeah, I guess yeah. we can tell whether <laughs> they liked it. Um, uh, we're in a fucking cinema score. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I was actually, um, uh, part of me was surprised that, um, that this was number one. So it made more than double of what Get Out made. Its yes, first weekend. but did Get Out open limited originally? Uh, that's a good question. Let this open wide, correct? This definitely opened wide. I mean, it must have. Get um, Out uh, opened. Uh, no, it opened wide, hmm. uh, but in about a thousand less theaters. So this was more than thirty-seven hundred, and Get Out was more than. Tw- or more than 27. Well, I think it's fun. I mean, like, Get Out was a phenomenon. Something um, like a phenomenon. <laughs> but it had the reviews behind it. But then also, it's like, it was very clear from moment one what that movie was about. The trailers for this were just selling Jordan Peele and Scary and the premise. So I'm actually a little surprised people went to see it because I... Um, it's an R-rated movie. It's a horror movie. One of like really the only R-rated uh, genre that can still make it to number one. Um, uh, I don't know comedies. I guess I don't know. Whatever. I'm talking out of my ass. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know why I was I was surprised. Um, but I guess I I mean I guess it really the trailers were effective. But I think also people loved Get Out so much that they were you know I think. If whatever Jordan Peele did next, if the trailers were halfway decent, people were going to go. But I, yeah, I'm a little surprised by how massive a hit this is. Yeah. There are definitely, uh, before we saw the movie, I was walking around uh, the theater and there were a lot of people who had already seen the movie mm-hmm. and everyone was very like pumped about it. And they were like, I want to see it again. Or like there was a lot of just like excitement about it. Uh, and yeah, so I think like, it's definitely just what, out of the people you've talked to, what, what would you say are people, uh, uh, how anecdotally, how are people you've, you've talked to or, or seen seem to seeming to respond to it? I think for the most part, people really liked it. Mm. Like out of the, I don't know that many people who had seen it. Most of the people who had seen it, I saw them that I know I saw <laughs> the movie with them. So, I... but it, I definitely like from what I've read and heard it seems like most people are pro it anecdotally from people i've talked to and then like you know facebook friends it seems like people are a little more measured i i i think um it seems like a lot of people are similar to my take of you know just reductively just like good but no get out yeah i think i mean i still am in that camp i just think that like good but not get out is still pretty 
It's still pretty fucking good. It's pretty good. So, um, yeah, I had a great time with it, and scissors are scary. And so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, very, I'm very happy this is doing well because that means Jordan Peele is going to get mm-hmm. an even... Uh, blancher, blancher card to like do <laughs> another uh, movie, which is great. Hey, and and whenever pushes us further to a violent revolution in this country. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Uh, one horror metaphor at the time. You hear that? The ghost of Andrew Breitbart. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, the next time we're going to be talking about a non-retro movie, John, mm. is... Uh, April 5th um I guess first question first do you think uh us retains its second weekend at number one what's coming out next week uh and so March 29th we have uh Dumbo parentheses 2019 (laughs) uh unplanned uh, Beach Bum, which I'm excited about oh I I haven't been have we been pretty accurate with our guesses uh let's see so yeah we said us we said captain marvel we those said were not tough to, toughies yeah. I feel well like, although us i was i think was there anything else that came out last weekend uh last weekend let's see oh no uh last weekend uh it was wonder park that animated movie uh oh, yeah. five feet apart about the terminally ill teenagers uh, no machines, Frida two. I have no idea what that is. And captive state. Mm, fun stuff. Um. Oh, it's. I think. It's a foreign language movie. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, <laughs> so there wasn't much, and I think we both said that Captain Marvel is gonna retain. It's number one. Oh, slot. we did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I. Hmm. So what's uh, so next? Is, so it's Dumbo is this weekend, and what else? Uh, so this weekend, this coming weekend, Dumbo, Beach Bum, Unplanned, and well, Diane is opening in three theaters. So. Um. Well, it's it's not gonna be um, Beach Bum. I imagine that's opening uh, limited, right? More or less limited than you think. It's seven hundred mm-hmm. and uh, fifty theaters. But even still, I I think as while I'm excited for that, I think uh, Spring Breakers is probably an easier sell. Um, uh, you know. Well, yeah, I think especially since Unplanned is apparently about a woman who becomes uh, a, a like a clinician at Planned Parenthood. Oh, fun. Oh, okay. no, but I, I was saying that uh, Spring Breakers is an easier sell oh, than, than Beach Bum. Oh. Than the Beach Bum. Um, so I, I don't know. So that was that was his biggest hit, hit, commercial hit, right? You think so? I feel like everything I saw about Beach Bum made it seem more like a genial comedy than Spring Breakers was. True, but there were, I mean, do you remember, there were so many articles when that movie came out about, like, the amount of people who went into that movie not realizing what it was, because it was a bunch of, like, famous Disney Channel teens in, bathing suits. in skimpy <laughs> bikinis holding guns in the posters. I mean, like... That's true. That's it, like... Matthew McConaughey is a popular actor. Uh, people like Snoop Dogg, but I... I there are no uh, d- sexy 
post Disney. Yeah, I feel like also with a movie like Spring Breakers that comes out around spring break, mm-hmm. people assume raunchy comedy yeah. and not what Spring Breakers ended up being, which is I I, I mean I like oh, Spring great Breakers quite that a bit. Was, that was six years ago. That's so sad. Um, Still best use of every time by Britney Spears in a movie <laughs> ever. So I so yeah, I guess the question is, does Dumbo beat? I mean. Have all the live-action Disney movies done gangbusters? I am pretty sure they have, yes. They've wavered a bit. I mean, so... I mean, other than... I feel like even the Alice in Wonderland sequel did pretty well. Oh, the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland's made so much money. Yeah. Uh, how uh, much has what has he made in the media? He he made Jungle that like Miss Jungle Book Par- was really good. Well, Tim Burton made that like Miss Peregrine thing, right? And that did that he? didn't do well, did it? Uh, Hasn't he made movies since? He's uh, made none. Let me double check. So yeah, he did. Oh, I didn't know he directed that. Did yeah, it do the well? Miss Peregrine's. Oh, and he uh, made uh, Dark Shadows, which was a bomb. That d- yeah, began his uh, his Eva Sh- Green collaboration. Oh, he didn't uh, direct the sequel to Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, it was uh, Alice in Wonderland, Dark Shadows, which was bad. Uh, Frank and Weenie, Big Eyes, and Miss Peregrine's Oh, right, home. Big Eyes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm going to give... Um, ooh, ooh, I'm torn. Uh, I think I'm going to give it to Dumbo. I think there's. it's just going to be a hard... It's going to be hard. But then, you know, I, I you know, under, under, under-guessed it last time, but hey... Uh, I'm going to do it again. I think uh, the family-friendly Tim Burton Disney movie is going to beat the second weekend R-rated horror social commentary. Yeah, I I think, yeah, I think you're right. Even though, I don't know, the Stumbo business. (laughs) Uh, I have no real connection to the original movie. That's not a, that's that's out of my my Disney. I mean, I saw it. But, oh, I definitely but, saw it. Yeah, that's the somewhere of, in my hazy childhood. But I feel like I don't know. Do we need to expand? Like all like we don't need any of these. We one hundred percent need zero of them. Oh, absolutely! Like the live action nature of it doesn't excite me. The fact that it's now double the running time does not excite me. Like none of it is exciting to me. I, I mean, the the um uh Disney Beauty and the Beast from ninety one is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, for sure. And every trailer for the live action one, I was just like, why? I, yeah. I don't want this. They're almost like, it seems like their claim to fame of those movies is like, oh, look how faithfully we hew to the original. Some, some but then it's also a it lot about. It seemed like that was the Beauty and the Beast thing of like, oh, look, it's the same yellow dress. Oh, yeah. look, it's the same ball scene. But then also it's like, um, uh, on YouTube, uh, uh, YouTube vlog critic uh, Lindsay Ellis does did a uh, a great video about the Beauty and the Beast live action, mm-hmm. all about how it's 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 the ninety one movie, but also takes time like wastes a ton of time to awkwardly fix so called problems with the original. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just don't uh, I don't I don't see the purpose. Like the Lion right. King's coming out, like they're not live action. They're, those animals aren't real. I don't know why we're calling these live action remakes. Yeah, I guess they're more like CG reimagined. It's not even a fucking Mowgli in that movie. I know. Like the jungle the jungle book is the only one I think I've seen of that crop. And I was like, yes, the animation was super impressive, mm-hmm. but like sometimes it felt like detrimental to the movie. Like the scene 
like the I want to be like you, the yeah. King Louis song. King Louis is legit frightening in that movie. <laughs> like, there's no like he, whimsical, like, like 30 feet tall or something. Yeah, he's like, he has like an insane amount of jowls, and he's like, every time he moves, he rocks everything around him. <laughs> it literally is scary. Like, and but he still sings like this jazz standard, and it's just so strange. And the tone was so weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I'm sure Trailer Dumbo's for Toy Story wonderful. 4 made me miss, missed up. So. Oh, oh, I mean, Toy Story 4, I am afraid every time they remake it, and then I think I love every sequel. Well, I'm okay. Like, so I mean, it's, I, I think it's pretty, I mean, my read from that trailer is basically this is um, Woody as a busybody, busy, busybody grandfather, retired oh. grandfather who is uh, told by an old flame that he still has time to live again and should go live his life. <laughs> um, and you know what? If that's the story for Toy Story Four, yeah, that'll work. If these if these movies have somehow met, like become the toys our parents, then yeah, the story of a grandparent uh, needing to not not bother like not spend as much focus raising his grandchild instead focus on living the last years of his life yeah that's probably where you should take toy story for yeah no i mean Sounds those movies are great uh so totally sad but <laughs> <laughs> on april 5th though the next movie we would be Uh-oh. talking about do you think it would we would be talking about the best of enemies the desegregation movie starring Taraji P. Hansen and I assume now permanently typecast as a racist <laughs> Sam Rockwell. We're, when 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 they were getting ready to market that movie and they were watching the reception to Green Book, were they excited or terrified? That's my question. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, it's hard to judge in the intentions of a movie based on a trailer. Well, I've seen but... a couple of tra- This This is um, similar to... Uh, I, I love when when movies try to sell uh, sell movies to different audiences. So I've seen the trailer that basically erases Sam Rockwell from the movie. Oh really? Um, and tries to make it just the story of uh, uh, of her character. Uh, what what do what do you think the target audience for that trailer is? Uh, the people who would not go see Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> the people who don't want to see the story about a, a a white racist in the South who who learns hey those people aren't so bad. Yeah, Ugh. just like as I mean, it, it might be good, but yeah, it just looks like one of those. Yeah, movies. again, it might be good. It just looks like it would be bad. Uh, Pet Cemetery, mm. big red word, Microsoft Word <laughs> underline denoting spelling we got, underneath. We got some that. more horror coming. Uh, and Shazam. Oh, Shazam. Mm. I th- oh that the marketing for that movie has been really great. I would guess Shazam will take that weekend. I yeah, I think I want Shazam to take that weekend because I genuinely want to see that movie. It seems fun. Like, uh, then so it, you know, I mean, then again, um, I mean, why why do we think it made so much money? Uh, because of how it looks like Stranger Things. Is that? I mean. I, th- I mean, is it is it the 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 hazy memories of how good Tim Curry was in that not particularly great TV movie? Like what maybe like because Pet mean, Cemetery is coming out. That's also something that was made, uh, you know, that was that had a movie in the 80s. Um, you know, I, I think it's a better regarded book, but like I think people like that book. So why? 
you think Pet Cemetery is better regarded than it or the, the books? The yeah. book. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know much about Stephen King I, I literature. Think, well, I think uh, um I don't actually know where people I've uh, uh yeah I've never read Pet Cemetery, but I think a lot of people rank it fairly high. Okay. Um, but uh, so but yeah. I remember there was like feverish anticipation for uh for it. And is it possible that it was just that like they'd been trying to get that adaptation off the ground for like what felt like a billion years? I. I mean, I genuinely so I I don't know that much about um like Stephen King literature. I've only read like the four season stories. Mm. Um, but in my mind, as like a consumer of pop culture, it is way more prominent than yeah. Pet Cemetery. So I can definitely understand the anticipation to that. I also like I did not say that jokingly, the Stranger Things thing. I think that movie was very much sold as a Stranger I Things did, they thing. They certainly did that on purpose. Yeah. And I think yeah, so I think just like and they had the kid from the Stranger Things. So like I, it yeah. it all sort of I think I think it's it a definitely Pennywise appealed. effect. So Pet Cemetery just doesn't have a Pennywise. You I mean, can yeah, base and I around. think like that's what makes it itself more interesting if, to just even people. I really enjoyed that movie. I had a great time. I think it actually it felt like people who have read the book enjoyed it less. Than, ding ding ding. <laughs> yeah, and I think like you are not the only one. I've spoken to a few people who have read it and enjoyed for it any, less. I, for anyone, by my quick thoughts, I thought it was fun. I thought it it just felt like it felt like walking through a haunted house uh, like a fair that didn't that was too long and there was no variation so you just walked into one room and someone went boo and then you walked into the next room and someone went boo um uh without going too, too deep <laughs> I think they should have cut a kid Oh man I think there's just too much kids to do too a theatrical many kids, movie Too many kids um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah so I think I definitely don't think that Pet Cemetery, again, from like feeling like what like people felt like were excited, much more excited about it before that came out than they are. I don't know anyone who even like mentioned Pet Cemetery is like yeah. a thing. So, that so we're assuming about. it's going to be Shazam. I, I mean, yeah, I think so. Also, yeah, again, Pet Cemetery is rated R, and Shazam, mm-hmm. I would imagine, is a PG-13, so... All right, well, heads up, this might be our longest episode ever. Oh, <laughs> and we dang. only talked about one movie. So uh, why don't we uh, quickly say um, uh, uh, next week uh, we are doing a retro review, and um, I guess we should just make our choice right now so the listeners can catch up uh, right. if they want to. <laughs> they yeah. can. Listen. Um, Get ready. I know I'm excited to find two hours and 16 minutes. I did look it up. Two hours and 16 minutes to set aside to watch Rain Man this week. And so should you. Because I've been putting it off for all these years. Well, I mean, I remember it not being... I mean, it won an Oscar, John. So there's that. It's it's a regular green book. Um, (laughs) It's as good, if not better, than green book. So uh, we talked for a very long time, but then again, there's a lot to talk about in the movie Us. It's an interesting movie. Was it Us or was it U.S.? Whoa, dude. Whoa, dude. You're (laughs) you're blowing my mind. Uh, (laughs) Bye-bye. Toot toot.